0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets.
1: Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis. And my co-host is my hard-working service dog, Lovey. <laughs> And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be visiting with Richard Lord. And Richard is the top dog and CEO of Assistance Dogs Australia. But he also wears another hat where he is the current chairman of Assistance Dogs International. And as many of you know, Assistance Dog International is the leading organization that sets the standards for the assistance dog industry so come right back after these quick messages as we welcome richard lord to the show
2: sit stay we'll be right back after a short pause well four to be exact
1: front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. designerpetsweaters.com
2: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com
1: Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. I'm so excited to welcome back to the show Richard Lord. Hello Richard and welcome.
0: Yeah, hello Marcy. Great to be here.
1: Yeah, we're so glad you could come back. I was thinking I guess it was last fall that you were with us and I think you guys were celebrating your 20th anniversary at Assistance Dogs Australia.
0: Yes, well that's happening uh, this year, so we're we're having a festival, we're uh, celebrating the whole year for our 20th anniversary, and uh, the good thing is that we're going to have uh, four graduations in in four different states of Australia. We've already had one in Melbourne, Victoria, and coming up we've got one in Perth, Western Australia, Brisbane in Queensland, and the last one in our our month, which we call Dogtober, we're going to have uh, a graduation in Sydney. So, all up, there'll be about uh, 30 dogs graduating around the country, which is a a great way to celebrate our 20th anniversary.
1: Oh, that is. That is awesome. Wow. So, how many people will actually graduate?
0: Yeah, we've got about 28 graduating. Plus, uh, we're working in another program uh, which we call PAUSE. It it started in uh, England, and we're quite happy to copy it. And it's also in the Netherlands and. now going into uh, Spain and Belgium, but it's called Parents Autism Workshop and Support, uh, and the acronym PAWS, and that's all about working with families with children with autism to uh, skill them up to either use their own pet dog or maybe raise one of our assistance dogs, or if they can't do that, wait till they have one of our graduate assistance dogs to, uh, to help their family. So many of these families split up under the pressure of having a child or a couple of children with autism. And what the research has found, particularly the research out of the UK, is that the the dog's keeping the family together. And then the dog's also used as a great sort of um, way to, uh, you know, show some positive behaviours for the child. Simple things like um, we have one child who didn't like putting on his school uniform. So now the, the dog takes him the shirt, then the shorts, then the socks, and the shoes, and he's quite happy to put that on. So, uh, or simply, you know, things like going to the dentist um, or going for a haircut. A lot of these kids don't like that. You know, a lot of adults don't like going to the dentist. But when yes. you can take your dog with you, when you can take your dog with you, it makes all the difference. Uh, and that's great for the parents who have difficulty, you know, getting those simple oh, tasks right. done. But uh, you know, certainly adds to uh, you know, getting their child to do a number of things.
1: Wonderful! Oh, that's so great. I remember you mentioning that, so I'm so glad to hear that it's doing so well and and really so successful. That's great.
0: Well, yeah, it's going well. So we're hoping to work with those other organisations around the world doing it and uh, and you know help other organisations who who want to go down that track as well.
1: Yeah, well, I just love that collaboration and and doing that internationally is so great. And so, how did you really get that started? Richard, was that through ADI that you guys are doing that partnership, or is that something you did on your own?
0: Well, that one, you know, I suppose it's through the collaboration through ADI. We knew that uh, the group in the UK, who are now called Dogs for Good, had gone into this area, and um, they talked about it at one of our conferences. So, uh, you know, lots of organizations thought that was really interesting, and I know a few of our staff, when they were in the UK, went and visited the program and brought back the information and that's that's what's good about the uh, the members of Assistance Dogs International they're always ready to share and provide information and, uh, and the protocols and so forth so it's easy to get a program up and started when you've got that assistance from around the world so that, that's how it's happened and uh, we've had a generous benefactor who also helped start the English one and he helped start us up with some seeding funds and also the Royal Guide Dogs in the Netherlands who are also doing it and he's helped them, and he's also helped the, the guys in Spain and Belgium. So it's good to have that, those benefactors around as well.
1: Oh, yes, yes. That's so important. That's excellent. Well, and you're also here with us as we're just celebrating International Assistance Dog Week this time of year, too. So we're just having all kinds of celebrations going on for assistance dogs. <laughs> And we were really excited about the joint press release that we did with you and and Assistance Dogs International. And this year, we focused on fake service dogs. And I know that that's an issue that you and ADI are concerned about, as am I. And, and I was wondering, tell our listeners, Richard, a little bit about that. What is a fake service dog, and why is that a problem?
0: Well, the main difficulty is... Um You've got people who dress their dogs up as a a service dog and unfortunately you can buy capes, fake ID cards and things of that nature from unscrupulous people selling on the internet and for that people then have a, a dog for all intents and purposes looks like an assistance dog. But it probably hasn't been trained as well, so they get to take their train on. I uh, take their uh, dog on public transport and uh, and into uh, you know all places an assistance dog can go. And unfortunately, that can cause trouble if the dog's not very well trained. And it gives the whole field of assistance dogs a bad name because you know service providers, store owners, transport operators. They don't really know if it is one or not, and when they see a credential and a a jacket, they think it is, and then if the, the dog causes trouble, they're likely to try and ban all sorts of assistance dogs from coming to their service or into their form of transport. So that causes difficulty for people with genuine disabilities who have a real accredited service dog. So it's just unfortunate that it seems to be catching on in other countries around the world now. People see the advantage of having a fake service dog because they can take it in, I know here in Australia, you can take it into a national park, Uh, you can take your dog on public transport. If you go flying... Uh, you take your dog in the cabin of the plane, so there's an advantage because that's free of charge for the person with a disability, but you know, here are people taking advantage of it to save money rather than putting their pet or their dog into a freight section of the plane. They pretend it's in a service dog so they can get it for free in the cabin, so that's an issue as well. So we're trying to work with the airlines here in Australia so that they're clear on what is a genuine assistance dog. And we we work very closely with our airlines like uh, Qantas and Virgin Australia, and uh, they ring us if they've got any doubts about any dogs. And unfortunately, we had a recently where Qantas was sent a letter. It had my signature faked on the bottom, and uh, they got the Assistance Dogs International logo and put it on top. And we're trying to claim that two dogs they are trying to bring from... uh, America over to Australia were genuine assistance dogs, of course, which they weren't. So we can only do our best to support service providers to uh, overcome this problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it is a huge problem. I know that for me as a person with a living with a service dog, I've had I've been out in public and had fake service dogs actually attack my dog, which caused all kinds of issues and really shocked my dog. I know every time that happens, my dogs look at those other dogs like, "Wow, where did you come from?" because clearly you haven't been trained and are not acting appropriately in public. So it is it's shocking for someone to encounter that who who has a negative experience with it, but I know that you guys in Australia have penalties, and you, your government is pretty proactive about that, right? Or or are they not?
0: Yeah, well, it's a difficult thing. We have a, a the federal government and then six state governments. So the federal government law is uh, takes precedent over the state government laws, and in our Disability Discrimination Act. Uh, originally of 1992, but updated in 2008. Uh, It talks about that you can't discriminate against a person with a disability if they have an assistance dog with them that alleviates their disability. And then it talks about a trained assistance dog, but it doesn't go any broader than that. And then it really puts the onus back on the state governments to work out what is a trained Mm -hmm. assistance dog and what isn't. So uh, some of the states have come up with our own laws which are a very good Queensland for instance all assistance dogs have to wear the Queensland tag or or patch on their jacket and the government provides a professional ID card for all the users but in other states there's not much at all so it makes it pretty difficult again for genuine assistance dogs to be recognized if there's no state law around it
1: Right. And that, that's the way it is here. I mean, some states are starting in the United States are trying to do something, but it's very limited and it's really difficult. There's no enforcement here. Mm. And so that's been a real, a real issue. And I think that, we're going to have to address it. I know that a lot of elected officials don't want to go there. You know, they don't want to deal with it. But I think we're going to have to because it is becoming more and more of an issue of people trying to pass their dogs off as an official service dog or assistance dog.
0: Yeah, and that's right. And and our press release has brought up a couple of a bit of feedback for us here in Australia by people saying, well, it's not only people trying to dress their own dogs up. But there are some unscrupulous organisations out there yes, provided, yes. providing dogs which have had limited training and they take advantage by selling these dogs to, uh, you know, again, people with disabilities. They're taking advantage of their need for a dog and i suppose the uh, the difficulty in obtaining a dog i know for us at assistance dogs australia we've always got um, you know around 100 people on the waiting list so some people have to wait a year or so uh, you know to get a dog mm-hmm. so when someone comes up and says oh we can get you a dog immediately and uh, the charger with this some people uh, jump at the opportunity only to find that they get a an under-trained dog and then no backup support and uh, yeah, so that's the other side of the coin, Marty. Yeah. You know, Organisations yes. that pretend to be assistance dog operators. So that's why we always say, you know, I think we mentioned in the press release as well always look for an organisation that's got either accreditation through Assistance Dogs International or the International Guide Dog Federation or from your local state government or or local government body that uh, looks after that sort of thing.
1: Yes, and I know for us at WorkingLikeDogs.com, we will only list programs that are certified by Assistance Dogs International for that very reason. So thank you so much for mentioning that because there are so many organizations that try to say that they are, are doing all those things and, and training qualified dogs when in fact they're not and they're charging an awful lot of money and, and people with disabilities end up very disappointed and in pretty, I think, unsafe situations with a dog that's, that's not really qualified. So that's something that we feel passionate about also. So thanks for mentioning that. So I wanted to ask you about what else you guys have been up to since since we last spoke, and I was wondering about your pups in prison program. How's that going?
0: Yeah, we've still got that in in a couple of prisons. Uh, we've been in prisons for about fifteen years, and um, you know, in that time, we've been in say ten prisons and two juvenile justice centres over, um, you know, four states or five states, actually, in Australia. And they've always been quite successful at providing more dogs for us. But also it's a great opportunity for the inmates. They learn some fantastic skills in uh, teamwork and communication skills and uh, you know, thinking about patience and clear instructions and that sort of thing. Uh, I remember one prisoner some years ago saying, you know, if I use this sort of clear instruction and was a bit more patient at home, I'd probably have a better time with the kids. So, um, you know, some of these great schools are are brushing off. And, of course, I think it makes the whole prison environment uh, a bit more um, friendly bit more positive when the dogs are in the prison. And, of course, you know, the prison authorities don't get a lot of good uh, PR. There's not a lot of good stories ever coming out of prisons, but this is one of them. So uh, uh, I think people like to see, um, you know, this good work coming out. And we always do a a bit of a ceremony when the puppy goes into a prison. And um, at the end, there's always plenty of media. (laughs) Loves to see that sort of thing. And, And at the end of the time, when it's time for the dogs to come out, We have a bit of a graduation in there as well. And um, the inmates get to talk about their experience and we have um, family and friends invited along and in some cases we've had representatives from local schools to come along there as well and uh, see what it's all about. So it's interesting to see uh, these uh, inmates... You know, and sometimes crying about you know losing losing their yeah. best mate, which yes. is sad. But they they talk about how good the experience was for them in the prison and uh, the best thing they've seen uh, in their time there. So uh, yeah, yeah lots of impact. different advantages. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The impact they're having on someone. I was just curious. How long do your puppies stay with an inmate in prison? How long is that usually?
0: Oh. It's All up, uh, the the dog's probably there 12, 14 months, but it's it's a team, because you work with a a staff member in the prison, uh, an inmate, and and our trainer, so uh, in the early stages, when the the dog's just a pup, it's coming to work with a staff member, and staying there over the shift of the staff member, and... uh, when the staff member's on work, the the inmate handler then starts to look after the dog there, and then the dog goes back home with the staff member to get that family environment, yeah, uh, and that socialisation there. But as the the dog gets a bit older, it can stay uh, full time uh, in the prison. And it's interesting, you know, prisons, uh, they're all different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we uh, get the idea of what a prison is from watching movies like Shawshank right. or, or right. things like that. So, um, and many different prisons, you've got the older style which looks like a Shawshank, but the, the newer modern prisons. They have what we'd call a sort of a townhouse type of effect, where uh, you know five prisoners have got their cells, but it looks like a small house, and they've got their own kitchen and lounge room and that sort of thing, and they've got to look after themselves, do their own cooking and all that yeah. sort of thing, which which gives them a few more skills for when they get out. Yeah, so yeah. in that case, it's more of a home environment for a dog, so it's quite positive in that regard.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, much more modern. I know mm. Lovey and I were at a prison in December a few months ago, and it was more like Shawshank. <laughs> I mean, it was it was not, <laughs> it was pretty rigid environment, but mm. it was incredible the inmates and and the impact the dogs were having on them and they were having on the dogs. It was so exhilarating to see that and the relationships and the bonds. So just love that whole concept it's just win-win all the way around. Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. And we're going to come back and continue visiting with our good friend, Richard Lord. And we have lots more questions and, and lots of things to talk about. So come right back.
0: We'll
2: be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. When I adopted her, she was a mess. Scabs, itching, licking, missing fur, hot spots, a thin dull coat. So I take the dog to the vet for the standard run-of-the-mill tests and treatments. No results. (laughs) I hear your advertisement on the radio. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. So I get the five-pound box of Dynavite and the Licko Chops within a four-week total. Instead of a German Shedder, I have a German Shepherd. Sheba is a 105 lean pounds of shiny, smooth, happy dog for life because she gets fed Dynavite. And the results, they're just incredibly outstanding. And she loves it. When you rescue a dog, you have to do the right thing. You've got to feed them right for life. Do the Dynavite. (gasps) Dynavite for life. 859-428-1000.
1: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
2: Dog pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio.
1: .com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we are visiting with one of our favorite assistance dog leaders, Richard Lord. And before the break, we were talking about the prison program. But I really want to ask you, Richard, about a little bit more about Assistance Dogs International. Can you tell our listeners, what is ADI's purpose and mission?
0: Well, ADI was set up uh, for, I don't know, probably about 30 years ago now. And uh, in those days, most organizations were... uh, In the United States, but uh, over time we've now got uh, 180 odd members right around the world, all through uh, the UK, Europe, South America, through places like Korea and Taiwan and Japan, Hong Kong, uh, and of course down here in Australia and New Zealand. So uh, we're spread out around the world. So the idea is an umbrella organisation where... We're really the accreditation authority for around the world. So uh, setting standards and policies to ensure that uh, what we're looking for in assistance dogs, you know, certainly at the top end of the scale of um, service to people who require our dogs and the, the dogs are trained to a very high standard and, of course, their welfare of the dog is at a very high standard as well. So we're just ensuring that our members are carrying out uh, the tradition of high standards for customer support and uh, training of dogs and the welfare of dogs right around the world. We're there to encourage new people who are coming on board to to get involved. When you come on, you can start as what we call a candidate and then we give these organisations five years to uh, train uh, 10 dogs and to provide all the information they need to about um, being a charity organisation, whatever the, the charity documents required in their particular country are, they have their board set up to make sure they have the right mission in place and to have all the right training techniques and so forth all there and the, uh, the rigour in place to ensure that the dogs they place will have support for their working life. So it's just the uh, the goal is, I suppose, to ensure that high standards for assistance dogs are carried out uh, by all our members worldwide.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's so great. And you just had your accreditation recently, right? You just went through that process again yourself.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. Uh, it happens every five years. So this is our third accreditation. We uh, were the, the first uh, assistance dog organisation in Australia to be uh, accredited by Assistance Dogs International. Really we're the first ones in the in the southern hemisphere so we were very proud of that uh, feat and we've just uh, recently had uh, Michelle Werner who I believe has been on your show before. She uh,
2: has.
0: Yeah, she was out from uh, Wyoming as the accreditor for Assistance Dogs uh, International and not only did she do us but a couple of other organisations in Australia went through their uh, second accreditation as well. So that was great. I think she had a pretty good time. She'd never been out uh, to Australia before. So uh, we had her out whale watching uh, last Saturday, uh, taking the boat outside the heads of Sydney Harbour and uh, to see the the whales that are travelling past going up to the warmer waters of Queensland. So she saw a couple of whales and uh, oh, very excited. Awesome.
1: Yeah, so that's magnificent. Lots of dogs and whales. You can't beat that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we love Michelle, and you're right. She has been on the show, and, and we love her. She does such a great job. I had the pleasure of participating in one of her accreditation visits to Assistance Dogs of the West, and she was just wonderful. Very thorough, so that's awesome. Well, congratulations on, on and completing that process and it being your third that's wonderful well and one of the things that I love too about ADI is that that public access test that you guys developed so tell our listeners what what is that public access test
0: right so the public access test was developed just to ensure that the team uh, that's uh, the handler and the assistance dog you know are safe and in the general public. And, uh, you know, they're, they're bonded together and the dog's listening to what the handler is saying and, uh, and the handler's is doing the right thing to uh, ensure, you know, they're working in a positive manner and they're safe to themselves and to the general public. So there's a number of tasks that are done and it's usually done in a, a busy shopping mall where there's uh, distractions like kids, children and uh, food distractions and, and other dogs. And then there's a number of tasks that have to be done and uh, the uh, accreditor will go down and watch the team and, and tell them the tasks that need to be done and then um, see how well they've, they're handled. So um, they might be done in a busy supermarket and then they might come back to a, 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 a restaurant or a fast food outlet where they can do a few more tasks as well. But, you know, simple tasks of... Um, ensuring that the the dog comes back on a recall, to see how the dog reacts to an unusual loud noise, something along those lines. But also another task that, um, you know, say the handler had some sort of medical episode and the dog had to be taken off them by a um, policeman or ambulance person, just as sort of see, that uh, you know, the dog's quite happy to be led off by uh, one of those first responders. So, a whole range of different tasks, which probably takes an hour and a half to, to get through, and um, we do that with all our um, clients every year. So, it's an annual test that um, ensures uh, that all our clients, who we call ambassadors really, for us, are out there. Uh, Doing the right thing, they're working well as a team, and of course, the dogs being well looked after.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's a really thorough test. I know I have to take that test myself, and it is really thorough and and it's a good, a really good overview of all the different tasks and skills that the assistance dog has. So I, I'm so glad that you guys developed that and that it's available on the website that people can actually access, which is really nice. And I know I like to go access it and brush up on my skills before it's time for me to actually take the test. It's just a really good way to, to be mindful of all those different things that are so important in the public. I always think people really sometimes don't seem to understand how important that behavior in public is. And it's not just about picking something up, retrieving it, or or doing some of those tasks, but just the whole behavior of, you know, walking appropriately next to your person, you know, not going after food, you know, and not doing some of those things that can be very distracting in public.
0: Yeah, that's right. The dogs are virtually trained to be unnoticed, aren't Yes, they? yes, uh, yes. Uh, You know, you've got to look for them, basically. So um, you've got a dog that's not drawing attention to you, that's staying out of the way, it's sitting close to your side, that sort of thing. So um, it's not being interested in other dogs or uh, other people. It's just there as uh, what we'd say is your best mate looking after your interests
1: yep yep it's amazing yep well and do you guys at assistance dogs australia do you guys do owner assisted assistance dog training
0: no we don't do that at the moment there are some other organizations uh, in australia who are doing that and i had um, michelle meet one of those organizations uh, the other night when she was out here Uh, they're put up to be candidates of uh, Assistive Sogs International, so uh, I was just ensuring that Michelle could give them some more advice Mm -hmm. on their progress to become accredited. So uh, there seems to be a bit of growth of that area around the world.
1: Yeah, uh, there really does, yeah. We get (laughs) a lot of questions.
0: So, um, you know, the best idea for those organisations is to uh, get some accreditation because then uh, people will realise that they're working towards a standard and if they achieve that accreditation, people will, uh, will realise that they're around to support them for their ongoing work. Because that's why I think holding them back a lot of people uh, are a bit dubious about these types of organizations, because they don't know whether they're a genuine article or one of these fake ones, mm-hmm. as we were talking about earlier.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, does ADI only certify agencies and not individuals as trainers? Is that correct, Richard?
0: Yeah, that's correct. At this stage, an organizational trainer can get a uh, ADI recognition, but that's part of their training for an organization. So... I know um, some governments will recognise individual trainers, but at the stage, uh, ADI is working about Mm organisations. So I suppose in regard to that, you know, Michelle's organisation is pretty small, (laughs) only herself and a daughter and a few volunteers. So Mm -hmm. it's basically an individual, but she's still in an organisational framework.
1: Right. And there's, you know, there's so many requirements for that, as you know, which lends that credibility that someone is responsible, that they're following through on all of those those requirements to be in the United States to be a nonprofit organization where there are lots of different. Processes that you have to go through in order to have that status. So, again, it's showing that credibility, just like with ADI, which again goes back to our belief at Working Like Dogs that we really support programs that are certified by ADI because if they're not, then you just don't really have any way of knowing what their level of abilities really are and their commitments really are to an individual and uh, and to the dogs, to the welfare of the dogs.
0: Yes, that's correct. So, uh, as I always say, an assistance dog's there to make your life easier. If it's making your life harder, it's, uh, it's something that you don't really want. So, to, to ensure that you're going to get, you're going to get insured that you want a dog that's really going to help you. You want to look for one from uh, an accredited organisation.
1: Well, we agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was talking to a, a gentleman earlier today, a veteran in the United States who's looking for an organization, and, and, you know, this is brand new to him, and I was trying to share all of that with him about all the different things you have to think about because it's such a huge decision to get an assistance dog, and you're right. You want to have the least amount of stress around that big life choice that you're making because there's a lot of things to think about in having a dog with you. To- 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's awesome.
0: That's right. And, and uh, I was about to say that, you know, that first year of getting a new dog can be pretty, pretty tough. So, yes, uh, yes. You know, You've got to get used to him or her, and the dog's got to get used to you. And uh, that's right. you know, they're all different. And you know, if you, this, this is a successor dog for you, you've now got a younger, faster dog that you've got to keep up with <laughs> compared compared to your last dog that's probably slowed down a bit since you've had it. So, yes,
2: uh, yes, you know, you
0: you want all that support you can get during that time of. Uh, where you're, um, you know, learning to live with each other. I suppose.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. I know, Lovey and I just hit that year, and it is. You're so right. After that first year, and even my husband said, "I'm so glad you guys have made it through your first year because it is. It's such a. Tra- I and mean, she's my fourth one, but it's still. It's such. Everyone is different, like you said, and it's a whole new process. And I'm not getting any younger. And like you said, Lovey's really young, so she has all kinds of ideas that I don't have. So it's been, it is, that first year is is really, it's a landmark to get through that. So,
0: yeah. Well, I'm glad you got there, Marcy. Sounds yeah, great. Yeah,
1: me too. Me too. Lovey's looking at me now going, what do you mean? It's been an awesome year. I'm an angel. <laughs> Well, Richard, we're so glad that you came back to visit with us. We love you to come to the show and tell us about what you're doing at your organization and as the leader of ADI. And we just thank you so much for your commitment and for what you're doing for all of us in the assistance dog industry. So thank you so much. And and before you go, tell our listeners, how can they get more information about Assistance Dogs Australia and Assistance Dogs International?
0: Yeah, well, if they get on the, uh, as we say, the Google machine and uh, have a look for Assistance Dogs International on the internet, you'll find the site and it gives all the information on how to connect with uh, an assistance dog organisation that that serves your local area so that's the best way and if they want to find out more they could look at assistance dogs international and they, they can look up us up as well as assistance dogs australia and find out about us as well so uh, that's the best way have a look for assistance dogs international online and uh, find out all the information you want.
1: Excellent, and we will have those sites posted on our website as well at Pet Life Radio, Working Like Dogs. So, thank you so much, Richard, and you'll have to come back again soon.
0: Oh certainly happy to do any time, Marcy. Thanks very much for your uh, commitment here today. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We love to hear from you. So please keep those emails coming. And you know, you can email me and Lovey at Marcy, M A R C I E, at petliferadio.com. You can also follow us on workinglikedogs.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and now we're even on Instagram. So check us out and let us hear from you because we love your questions. And your suggestions for guests, so please keep those coming, and we look forward to being with you again soon. Take good care.
2: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.